Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Boy, it's great to be back with you folks from Camp Joy, Wisconsin. Another morning out here looking at that beautiful lake and uh, you may hear a little bit of lawn mowing going on. We tried to get the word out that we wanted some privacy and some quiet. People just don't care when they own a camp, you know. That's right. They got they got a life to live. They're trying to mow like a hundred acres and stuff, and they're like, "Well, you know, Doug and Stephanie are doing a podcast. Good for them, but we're mowing. Praise <laughs> God." So if you hear a little bit of a mower going on, that's all it is. It's nothing to freak out about. But uh, here we are. We're sitting here, and uh, you know, we're reading on on this book of Job, Stephanie, and right away. Right away today, Bill Dad's coming out. He's coming out of the shoot in a short chapter, and he's saying a lot of things. And I want to use this time. I mentioned this, friends, to Stephanie just before we got going. I, I, I want to use this time to, uh, to actually, Stephanie has a friend of hers that went through an incredible amount of abuse and narcissistic kind of stuff, probably the same kind of stuff that uh, a lot of you are going through. And so we want to use this time today to talk about that. And uh, so we're going to do that. And uh, but uh, good morning, Stephanie. Tell you know how's things going for you at Camp Joy, and how you feeling today? Well, Camp Joy is awesome. It's um, Camp Joy holds a lot of special memories. This is where yeah. we did. Um, we came for our first PTSD camp. The kids and I last May. We did. And um, so it's got a lot of special memories that way. And coming back this year as a teacher is kind of a crazy crazy thing because that is not where I envisioned myself last May yeah and so um, I really had no vision as of last May so it's an exciting place to be my kids love it they could live here and be perfectly happy and so um, we're just we're excited to be here and um, I prefer not to talk about how I feel because currently pain is my constant companion So I'll just do more walks here today and help with that. Just full disclosure, folks, we're in pain. And I pulled my shoulder. So yesterday at church, we had a great church services, a great uh, uh, lean and green uh, lunch with the folks up there in Milwaukee and just a wonderful time. And and so I get to the car. So all day I'm playing with Emmy. I'm holding her. I'm lifting her. I feel great. You know, I, I feel strong. I feel great. Everything's going good. I get in my car and I, I, I grabbed, I, I mess around with Debbie a lot. You know, when we're alone together, I grabbed her hand and went to lick it or something. I don't know. But I turned my head to the right. And when I did, I pulled a muscle in my shoulder. So, uh, and man, that thing hurt. I had to take a muscle relaxer last night. Debbie was going after ice. Debbie kept telling me she was so sorry. I didn't feel good. Now, Stephanie continues on with her pain from the accident pain from uh, when Charles got shot. And I mean, folks, just pray about pain. You know, I, I wrote a song one time. It's still on my computer. We're never going to record it. We're never going to look at it again. Amen. But I wrote a song called Pain is a Privilege. And I yes. used some Bible verses. Folks, it's not a privilege. It is because the trial helps us get through. But pain <laughs> in itself is no good. Amen. Pain, pain ruins your life. And so if you're in pain, do what you can legally do without narcotics and stuff. Take that ibuprofen. They used to hand that stuff out, 800 milligram bottles by the thousand in the army. They give me a year supply, man. I couldn't even lift the bottle when I left the pharmacy. I didn't know they made <laughs> bottles that big. 
and say, sir, we're giving you a 12-month supply. You can take three a day for the rest of your life. If you start spitting up blood, come back and see us. You know, everything's going to be all right. So, uh, so do what you can do legally without narcotics. And if, if, God, if, if God gives you narcotics, we'll take them. But we don't want you to get hooked on anything. So here we are on Job number 25, Stephanie. And it says, Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, Dominion and fear are with him. He maketh peace in his high places. Is there any number of armies upon whom not his light arise? How then can men be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not, yea, the stars not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm, and the son of man which is a worm. And, and I'm telling you, this is... a this is some hard stuff. There's, there's a major contrast going on here. And, you know, both people think their side of the story is right, both groups. Mm -hmm. So you got three against one. You got old Eliphaz, you got old Bildad, and you got Zophar. And they all think their story's right. They all think everything's going fine. You know, we're, we're stuck in this. This is just the way it goes. Uh, Bildad's coming out here with a last-ditch effort. He's trying to be more spiritual. He's mm -hmm. trying, you know, this is the eighth speech from one of Job's friends. And... Uh, so he's heard eight of them, and, uh, and, and they, it seems like they continually get worse. And you know what happens in this one, though, Stephanie, is he's, he's swiping at them with this intellectual brush, you know, talking about, you know, he's trying to, again, sound superior, sound mm -hmm. high and lift it up, and, you know, hanging Bible verses on the wall and using them wrong against each other. Mm -hmm. those, those are the types of things we're talking about. And, and you know, but these people, are, they're arguing or they're speaking from different places. You know, from one place, Job is arguing, hey, I'm the dude with the shaved head, the robe, no, nothing left. You know, I'm mm -hmm. sitting in the middle of the town dope, which used to be my land. I'm formerly the richest guy there ever was. I know God. God bless me. And they're like, you better know God. You better get right. It, it, the only thing worse than being born of a woman is having another one born uh, from you, your son. It's just going to keep on getting worse. I mean, Bildad is, is presenting this terrible thing, and, and he's going after, like, Job is guilty of this heinous or terrible sin. Job certainly did something here. I don't know what's crossing their mind. We haven't seen anything yet. Uh, but the, maybe they're thinking he had an affair. Maybe they're thinking he uh, walked out on God. There's, there's a million things they could be thinking. Uh, but this is what I know, Stephanie. I know that they're downplaying Job over and over again. Mm -hmm. I mean, what did you see over here in chapter 25? Yeah, I think the, the verse that stands out to me the most in this chapter, um, you know, verse 3, is there any number of his armies and upon whom doth not his light arise? It's just, I, you have to agree with that. We don't know the number of his army. His light arises on everyone. But verse 4 Bildad said, How then can man be justified with God, or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? You know, he's slapping God here. He is. And it's almost like he's telling Job, and I, I have heard this statement uttered by a so-called preacher, that it is impossible to know that you have a clean conscience. It is impossible to know that your heart is right with God. I'd like to tell you, but that is blasphemous. It is. Because when you come to God in humility and you come before him seeking his face for forgiveness, he forgives you. And to have the gall to say it's impossible to know, well, we can be justified with God. 
We can. And Bildad is questioning who God is here. And we can be clean as human beings because of who Jesus Christ is in us. And we can have a clean heart. We can have that clear conscience before God. And Bildad's questioning who God is. He's questioning God's character because Job keeps coming back saying, I have a clean heart. I haven't done anything. I haven't sinned against God to bring this, you yeah. know, this horrible set of calamities. And so now Bildad's saying, can a man really even be justified? Yeah. Can a man be clean? And he's slapping God here because it's almost like he's questioning God's character. And I think that's, um, again, the toxicity that's coming out. And um, I think this shows, you know, we're reminded here of how good God's grace really is. Yeah. That from a, hum from a humanist perspective, Bill Dad's right. Well, and that's right. Spiritual perspective. They're coming at it from different places, completely yeah. different places. And you know, Bildad and his buds, the trio, the three musketeers there, they're just they're just striking away at Job as if Job's some kind of infidel, some kind of heinous sinner. Sometimes now people like this, by the way, they put they put points on sin. They say, mm -hmm. you know, this sin is worth uh, you know much more than this sin, and you you did this sin. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what's going on here. They're just they're rating things and they're doing things. And, you know, eight times up to chapter number 24. I know we're on 25 now, but eight different times Job claimed himself to be righteous. He said, listen, I'm righteous. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no cheating going on. I didn't I didn't cheat anybody. I didn't cheat my wife. I didn't cheat my workers. I didn't treat my servants. I I didn't cheat my kids. I was living a clean life. And then and over and over again, Job saying that. But three against one constantly hey this is you you're messed up you're this you're mm -hmm. that and uh, and that's what's going on so what i wanted to do we had a few extra minutes but we know that bildad is is part of the three musketeers he's messing things up and we're going to hear from job here in a minute uh but i think i think what i i asked stephanie about and asked her to do here is she's working with a lady boy that's heard it all uh, from different people trying to knock her down, trying to take her out over the years. And, and by the way, that lady's in a great place right now. But Stephanie, would it be all right? There's a lot of ladies and men listening to us that are being knocked down and having things said about us. Would you, would you tell us that story of that lady you know, that lady you console? Sure. Yeah. And, and before, I, before I tell her story, um, bits and pieces of it, and of course, I'm going to keep her name out of it so yes. that she can stay anonymous. But I think it's very important, um, as we've been talking about narcissism here, and I, I don't think either of us went into Job realizing how big how big the narcissism factor was in this book. Um, but I think it's very important to remember that narcissism isn't just a personality disorder. This is narcissism is a I believe a satanic spirit. Yeah, and um, we see it in scripture manifest in Jezebel in these three dudes and other characters who had an evil sense of control an evil sense of spirituality and um, as you you know as as you as the listeners as you go through life and you are seeking God you're seeking to walk with God you're maybe maybe you've messed up in life and you're seeking to get back on track if you have a person who is filling in for the accuser of the brethren in your life, yeah. who is telling you it doesn't matter that you've repented, it doesn't matter that you want to get right, 
your rock bottom no matter what. Yeah. Those people are not from God, and those people are trying to put that guilt on you, that condemnation from the devil, and that is not of God, and that's how they will control you. And so going into this story, um, that plays huge into this, uh, my friend's situation, and um, yeah, there's there's so many facets here, but my friend had lived many, many years um, having dealt with those levels of guilt. And in her situation, there was not a sin factor. There was not, um, anything she had done to bring, um, bring this on, except that she had dared to speak truth, that she had dared to stand up for herself or for those around her who she saw, um, who were going through trials and being mistreated. And I think that's an important thing, too, to recognize is if you are someone who wants to stand up and help others, that makes Satan very upset and you're a threat to him. And so um, remember that, that it's if you're a defense, so, so to speak, for others who are being attacked by narcissism, you will become a target for it as well. And so be prepared when you go into a situation like that, because my friend was not. She was not prepared for the quote-unquote consequences for standing up, for speaking her mind. And um, my friend went through uh, marrying into a situation that honestly blindsided her and went into a situation where narcissism was the leading role, the leading characteristic in the family. And so give us, okay, so this is really a stinky place for your friend to be, obviously, but give us how, some of the hows in there. So uh, how did they treat her, I guess, is what we're saying, because we we know that's what we're building up to. What would be Mm -hmm. an example of this abuse or or the way she was treated? Well, I mean, the abuse honestly started before her marriage even got there, Um, and from different things she has said, um, you know, when she wasn't willing to be a robot, there was consequences for that. When she wasn't willing to be controlled, there was consequences for that. And I think it's important to, um, and this is one of the burdens God's given me in this ministry, um, and God's used her story to greatly help me, but to make people aware so that they don't go into situations blindsided and to give them it's one of the reasons we do these PTSD camps is so that people can see they can be on the out, the you know the lookout so to speak for characteristics so they're not getting blindsided and hurt or opening themselves up unnecessarily to damage because it is damaging and it does create trust issues and it does create baggage that no one should have to carry and um, my friend is still dealing with baggage because of things that were said and done. But um, as far as examples, um, one thing that she told me happened was um, she dealt with having, you know, her looks literally um, going into church situations where if she didn't quote unquote have the right look on her face, there would be attacks. So they judged whether or not she's happy? Right, if her countenance did not display that she was in total agreement with them, on every little thing, whammo, there was an attack. If um, 
something she said didn't come out exactly the way they thought it should come out, boom. And we're talking serious repercussions on a weekly, daily basis for those kinds of things. Um, We're talking, she told me, you know, they would come to her house because this friend, you know, this is what's sick. Narcissists go after people who want to love people. Yeah, they and do. And they become leeches on those people. And it's almost like they're jealous. Yeah, I don't know that she would ever have called it that. Um, but they would come to her house if her house didn't look exactly the way they thought it should look. If there was dust in a place they should... I mean, we're talking nitty-gritty, really ridiculous... Um, so we're talking, if she had too much candy yeah. on her table, that was an attack. Her handwriting was attacked. I mean, we're talking stuff that it's like, wow. I mean, when she was telling me these things she went through, and I have dealt, what's creepy is I've had other ladies I'm working with give me the exact detailed scenarios. So that's where I say I believe this is a satanic spirit because exact same phrases and we're talking dealing with ladies who don't know each other. Their stories, they didn't even know each other's stories. But exact kind of statements, you know, you're rebellious. I that you know, my friend told me she had those things thrown at her. Um, you're unsubmissive, you're unforgiving, those kinds of things she had thrown at her. And those statements are when you have someone who is seeking to walk with God and they're seeking to do what's right, and they have those statements thrown at them, it debilitates them because then they are the problem. They become the problem in their own eyes, and those statements become poison shots. And um, and so my friend was left after years and years of this feeling that she was worthless, feeling that um, she was of no value. Yeah, the thing we're missing here, though, I think is now what role did her husband, you said before she got married, she endured, obviously, Mm in-laws. And uh, what role did the husband play with the narcissistic behavior? Well, I think there's a huge factor here with my friend that, um, and it took her years to even realize this, the full extent of it. But when someone is raised... And I'm talking from birth on, raised, and this goes, this is across the board, raised in a narcissistic environment, and especially a narcissistic environment that is presented as spiritual, it is extremely detrimental. And um, my friend's husband loved the Lord, and he loved her, but because he had been raised. Yeah. Because he had been through those things. And I, I think, you know, friends, I, I think there's some important dynamics going on here that, and, and I had mentioned this earlier on, that ladies go through this much more often than men. And if you're married to a lady, as we hear about Stephanie's friend, and uh, if, if, you know, you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You need to uh, not allow things. You need to protect that woman. You need to, even when they drive you crazy, uh, especially when they drive you crazy, how uh, you need to. Uh, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody disassembled mentally. Uh, I've seen people like that. My sisters, you know, my sisters all had one thing in common. They married the biggest jerks available to mankind. Uh, 
So all three of my sisters married morons. And, uh, uh, and one's in heaven, whose husband divorced her, uh, left her uh, in the middle, total narcissist, left her to, you know, with a little teeny baby and bailed on her for another girl. The second sister, you know, they adopt five kids because she couldn't have kids. And man, he, he left her. Once they got the five kids adopted, he bailed. And uh, third sister, uh, same thing. We could go on with this story after story. But I think the important thing here and the important thing behind Stephanie's story here is understanding what's good and what's bad. And what's good is found in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's not about our feeling. It's not about that. And I know looks have got to be compatible. And, and I get all that. I, I do, you know, uh, and I get all everything. But I do know when you make a mistake and marry a narcissist, you better get some biblical counseling. Yeah. You've got to fix that marriage. Well, I, yeah, I think... Um, two, you have to take into the equation if you're going to marry into a narcissistic family. You know, my friend really thought, she told me, I really thought I could love them into loving me. Yeah. And she knew going into the marriage they didn't love her. She knew they couldn't stand her guts. That was made very clear before their marriage. But she really thought... If I'm kind, if I'm loving, if I show them how much I love them and that I forgive them and all these things that are good and that are right, she really thought she could make them love her. Wow. And understand that if you marry into a narcissistic family like my friend did, you're not going to change them. No. Their goal will be to break and destroy you. Hey, the end game of a narcissist to, is to keep the devil happy. You them. Yeah. Yes. The, the end game is to tear down somebody. Exactly. Uh, so they they're just become a robot. Exactly. And, and, and my friend watched that happen yeah. with other people um, yeah. who married into the family she married into. And there was nothing she could do about it, you know. Oh. Um, but, you know, I think over the years, she told me over the years, um, you know, she went through having her husband let her be screamed at, letting her be yelled at. Um, she went, she, had, she went through times of her husband literally agreeing with his family against her. And she just had to live with it because if she stood up, then she was angry. She was bitter. She was in sin. And um, she told me she had the statement, you're going to stand before God for your attitude right now, thrown at her yeah. multiple times, yeah. sometimes on a weekly basis. And so... That is when you're dealing with that narcissistic spirit, um, you have to come to terms. If you are in a marriage, like Doug has said, get help. That's one of the reasons our ministry exists is so that you can get the help yeah. you need. Yeah, there's 50 people converging on us even as we speak. Listen, in closing today, folks, I think the more important, first of all, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for sharing your friend's story. There's a lot of you out there that have a similar story. Don't let people downgrade you. Don't let people just be the best person that God can make you. And you've done everything God yeah. wants. Just yep. be the best person that God has made. Just step out, man. Just, just live life like it's a, a wonderful Christian party with no booze or craziness or all these things going on. Just live life like it's fun because it is. I have fun every day of my life and uh, I go to bed smiling. I wake up smiling even when my shoulder hurts and you ask me, why is that? Because whatsoever things are true and that's where we need to live our lives. We need to be there in jail with, uh, with Paul. Paul saw God, man. He, 
the apostle, he, he knew what was going on. He saw him in his mind. He, he was blinded on the road to Damascus. He knew what was happening. And, and folks, you know what's happening. Listen, we love you. Hey, really important message coming up. Listen to these words. Thank, Thank you. you for listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure they're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner. We can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart that all we need to do is pray to God, believe it in our heart that Christ has died for our sins and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what, folks? He will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com. Dot com.